are continuing our series through the book of Joshua. This is part two, and uh, I'm excited for uh, the message that God has for you, um, has for us this morning. I believe it's really going to um, speak to us as a church. It's going to speak to you as, as families. It's going to speak to you as individuals this morning, and I'm excited to um, get into the book of Joshua. Last week, we saw Joshua step into the position of leading the entire nation of Israel. Remember, he was stepping into some really big shoes, uh, the shoes of Moses. Moses was a humble leader. Uh, God used Moses to do some incredible things. Um, and Joshua, Joshua was stepping into that leadership role because Moses had passed away. And we learned last week that leadership matters. Leadership is important. We talked about how some of us may have some uh, varying uh, experiences when it comes to leadership. You may have had some bad leadership experiences. Maybe you're even deathly afraid of the term leadership. But the reality is, is leadership matters. It's important. Leadership in the church matters. Leadership in the home matters. Leadership in our country matters. Leadership in your business matters. Leadership matters. We also talked about how vision matters. Without vision, the scripture says, the people are aimless or the people um, will, will, will not have focus. Vision matters. And then we talked about how short-term and long-term goals matter. And today we meet a character in the story that is going to remind us that no matter how devastating your past may be, okay, no matter how broken, no matter how um, black, your past may be, and bleak it may be. The character in the story is going to remind us today that God is not done with you. Your past does not have to define your future. Before we jump in, I want to take a little pause and a little time out real quick just to do a little bit of celebration, okay? Um, we're, we're not afraid to get excited about some things here at Grace Church, and especially when God's doing some things, but um, if you walked in this morning in the lobby, you saw a bunch of boxes. We've been doing kind of an um, initiative with uh, Operation Christmas Child, trying to pack a bunch of boxes. And as of right now, we have 749 shoe boxes in the lobby right now. So that's pretty cool, all right? That's pretty exciting. So I wanted to say good job, Grace Church. And I am thrilled about the, the children that are going to be blessed because of those boxes. And um, man, who knows what God will do through those gifts and through the stories and especially through the gospel going out around the world. So we're going to learn about a person who could have very easily been viewed as a throwaway. We're going to learn, learn about an individual who could have um, kind of just been brushed to the side and said, we have no use for this person. The character in the story that we're going to be looking at today is a woman named Rahab. And almost every time that we see Rahab mentioned in the scriptures, uh, right next to her name is her occupation. She is referred to as Rahab the harlot. That's how she's known all throughout scripture. Anytime you see her name, you see her occupation. Her lifestyle was selling sex. She was a prostitute. Her lifestyle was one that most people would consider evil, worthless. Most people would view as being a throwaway. 
And I can't think of a better illustration to show all of us that it's never too late. It's never too late than the story of Rahab the harlot. So Rahab lived in the city of Jericho. And if you remember, uh, the nation of Israel, Joshua, remember they were on this side of the Jordan River and they were looking across and the first city that they were going to have to conquer to go into the promised land was the city of Jericho. And Rahab lives in the city of Jericho. And Joshua was following um, God and God had given him instruction to go into the promised land and to begin um, you know, taking the cities that were in the way of them taking the promised land. And so Jericho was the first city that stood in their way. And remember, last week Joshua said, we will cross the Jordan River and we will enter the promised land. He was casting vision. He was giving the people a clear focus. He was painting the horizon so people knew where they were going. And we're told in Joshua chapter 2, verse 15, that Rahab's house was kind of built into the city wall of Jericho. And her residence was by the gate on the wall. So this was the main gate into the city. Remember in these days, cities had walls around them to protect them from the attacks of enemies. And so she was, um, her place of residence was in the wall, right next to the city gate. And it was a very con convenient place for a prostitute to get good business of people coming in and out of the city. This was the, the red light district of Jericho, you could say. And so Joshua sends in a couple spies to spy out the land and to spy out Jericho. And they were going to go and check out things and to, to see how they could uh, bring down the city as the next step of going into the promised land. And these two spies, they went to Rahab's house and she received these two spies from the nation of Israel. And we're, we're told in the scripture why she welcomed these spies. Joshua chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 says, I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror, verse 10. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did in Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. She basically, she takes in these two spies and she says, we know about you people. We know about your God. We've heard about you and your God. We know what your God has done. We know what your God is capable of doing. Therefore, I'm going to receive you. I'm going to welcome you. I'm going to, um, I'm going to bring you into my place. So she takes them into her house. And, and the whole objective here is to protect them. They're spies on enemy territory. So she takes them into her house to protect them because she believes in their God and what he has done. So what we have here is a prostitute who is willing to take a risk for the people of God. Somebody discovers that these two spies are in Rahab's house and the authorities of Jericho come running to Rahab's house and um, they were sent by the king and they're trying to capture these two spies so they could punish them accordingly. And they knock on Rahab's door and they demand that the, Rahab tell them where the two spies are and Rahab lies to them. 
she makes the decision to lie to them to protect the two spies from Israel. She basically says, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know where they are. Where are they? I don't know. I don't know where they are. In verses 4 and 5 of Joshua chapter 2, she says, I don't know about these guys. I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know where they are. And so she, she lies to hide and to protect the spies. And she then sends them out through her window so that they can escape. And they can go back to the nation of Israel and basically give all the information needed to conquer the city of Jericho. So here we have a lady with a reputation that is not good. Most people did not want to be associated with Rahab. Um, They didn't want their kids to be around Rahab. Most people didn't want to be her neighbor. She was a harlot. A harlot who makes a strong stand for God because of the word that she heard. Remember, she had heard about the God of Israel. She had heard about the people of Israel. And so she decides to make a stand. When the spies are just about to escape out the window, Rahab says this in Joshua chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. She's talking to the two spies. I kind of picture them just hanging out the window and she's kind of helping them out. And she says this, Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live as long, uh, along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all their families. So Rahab, she, she basically cuts a deal with the spies for protection. She says, because I'm helping you escape, please remember me, and not just me, but my brothers and my sisters, my, my father, my, my extended family. Like, please remember us when you come and attack and destroy the city. Please protect us. I want you to promise that you will protect me and my family. And in verse 14, the spies promise or guarantee her and her family's safety. They they promise, Rahab, we will not destroy you and your family when we destroy the city of Jericho. So she wants to cut a deal for protection because she took a risk to identify with God's people. And she did this She's identifying with God's people over her own people. This is a big deal. She took the risk, even as a prostitute, to identify with God and what God was doing because she believed in what she had heard. She believed in God rather than the culture that she grew up in. She made a radical decision that went against her lifestyle went against her occupation. The decision that she made even went against her culture and her country. But yet she still made the decision to identify with God and His people. So once again, listen to this, she took the risk to identify with God and His people because she believed what she heard about God. She believed the Word of God. She believed what she heard. And her belief led her to take action. She did something with her belief. 
She didn't just believe. She, she did some things. She took action. And she protected the spies, even lying to do so. She asked for protection and a covering to protect her and her family. Listen, the, the point I'm trying to make is this. There is nothing too broken in your past that Christ cannot redeem. Okay, let me say that one more time. There is nothing too broken in your past that Christ cannot redeem. The picture that is being painted here is this. No matter your past, no matter your brokenness, God will not hold it against you if you believe in Him, if you turn to Him for your help and for your salvation. Her belief in the word that she heard about God led her to identify with God and His people. So the point is this, if, if you want God's protection, if you want God's forgiveness like Rahab, you must turn to God. And you must ask for His kindness to be upon you. You must ask for God's forgiveness. You must ask for God's protection. Now you need to know this, that Rahab's story doesn't just end in the Old Testament. She's in the New Testament as well. And I want to what I want to do this morning, and I, I'm going to try to keep you with me as best I can, but I want to take you on a little journey, okay? We're in Joshua chapter 2, but we're going to jump into the New Testament. And what my hope is, is I want you to see the life of Rahab, and we're going to learn some incredible things. So I'm going to take us on a little journey using the life of Rahab to help guide our path here. So <clears throat> her story doesn't end in the Old Testament. She's in the New Testament as well, but... Her legacy continues to show up in the New Testament. But every time she's mentioned, we're continually told that she's a harlot, that she's a prostitute. But in the Hall of Faith, okay, Hebrews chapter 11, it's like the Hall of Fame for the Bible, all right? The, the, this chapter is where, like, the, the, uh, the famous people of the Bible, the great names like Moses and Abraham, you know, David is in... Hebrews chapter 11, and Sarah, and Samson, and, you know, all these great names. And then we have a prostitute in Hebrews chapter 11. It doesn't just say Rahab. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says Rahab the harlot. I mean, come on, give a sister a break, right? Why do we have to keep referring to her as Rahab the harlot? Because God wants all of the readers, all of us, God wants all of us to know that it's not too late. That's why she's referred to that way. Even though you may have a very checkered background, maybe, maybe no one likes you, maybe no one respects you, maybe you, your reputation is very poor. People may not think much of you. I want you to know that it's not too late. It's not too late. It says in Hebrews 11, verse 31, it was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. God is saying, I, I want you to know a lady in the red district can have faith. 
I want you to know that someone in, you know, someone in society that, that the world, you know, the rest of society would view as a throwaway. Like she's no good to society. I want you to know, God says, that a lady like that can have faith. I want you to know that even if your past is like Rahab's, you can still end up in the hall of faith. God chose to write Rahab in the hall of faith so that generations and generations of men and women and children would be able to read and understand that no matter how broken my past may be, God can still redeem my past. No matter your brokenness, God can still rescue and restore. In fact, some people may have disgust all over them. And they may, they may never be able to shake their title or their reputation. They may never be able to change what other people think about them. But even people like that can end up in the hall of faith. It's incredible. Not only is she in the hall of faith, but she's also one of the great teachers about faith. All right, so, so we see her in Hebrews chapter 11. Now I want to take you to the book of James, James chapter 2. Starting in verse 14, it says this. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a good day. You know, God bless you. Stay warm. Eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. I mean, what good does that do? I've never seen a hungry person eat a God bless you. I've never seen it. So you see, faith by itself is not enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now look at verse 25 and 26 of the same chapter. Rahab the what? Rahab the prostitute. There we go again. All right. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. James is saying, let, let me explain to you how faith works. Okay? Let me explain to you how faith works. Faith is demonstrated by your action, not by your discussion. Faith is demonstrated by your walk, not by your talk. Faith is demonstrated by what you do, not by all the Bible studies that you do. Some people can talk about faith all day long, but God called us to walk by faith. Faith without works is dead. And I want to remind you that James is talking to Christians when he's saying this. If you want to know that you have faith, James says, let me see what you're doing. If you want to know that you have faith, 
hey, could you hand me your calendar? What do you, how are you using your time? If you want to know that you have faith, can I see your checkbook? Like, are you generous? Are you helping those in need? Or is it just all about you? If you want to know that you have faith, can I just, see, can I walk with you for a week? Can I just kind of journey with you and see what you do day in and day out? Because faith without works is dead. I know I would say most of us, if not all of us in this room, have been to a funeral. And last time I went to a funeral and, and saw uh, the, the body of someone that was dead in a casket, that individual didn't really do much. Like death means that there is no life. Death means that there is no goodness being accomplished. Death means that it's dead. That's your faith without works. Rahab didn't just say, we, we know about your God, or I've heard about your God. Man, I hope the best for you spies. Like, I hope the best for you guys. Good luck. No, she said, come in. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to give you water. I'm going to help you escape from the enemy. The point is, Rahab was rescued or protected from the coming wrath that was to come. Right? There is so much, so much imagery, so much uh, truth in the book of Joshua. But she was protected from the wrath to come when she exercised faith. In other words, God's power will be unleashed when he sees faith. God's power will, will be unleashed when he sees someone taking action and stepping out in faith when he sees movement. You see, when we move or when we act, we demonstrate faith. And when we demonstrate faith, we see God move in history. I understand this, Grace Church. When we step out in faith, when we move and we act and we do something that's a little uncomfortable... Maybe we step out and we help someone that we've never helped before or we're generous and we give something we've never given before or we, you know, we do something that requires faith. It's in those moments that we get the opportunity to see God move in history. The only way to impress God is by faith. That's the only way that he's impressed is by faith. By faith, Rahab went from being a harlot to being a hero. By faith, she became something spectacular, even with a negative background, a negative past. And I want you to understand some things about Rahab. She was, her name, Rahab. Ray was a, a, a pagan god of that day. She was named after a pagan god. She was raised in a pagan land with a pagan religion. She was raised by pagan parents who gave her a pagan name. She didn't have anything going for her when it came to God. Like all the cards were stacked against her. But that's how good God is. He can take you out of a total mess and turn you into a marvelous miracle. That's how good God is. 
man, all of that's good. Whew. That's a cool story, man. I'm excited for Rahab. I don't know about you. When the Rahab was right here. Boom, high five, you know. That's cool, Rahab. But this is not even the best part, all right? Let's go to Matthew chapter 1. We've, we've seen Rahab in Hebrews. We've seen Rahab in James. And now we're going to go all the way to the first book in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. Solomon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. You guys catch it? Just Rahab. That's cool. Now remember, I just have to set the context. She was in Jericho. She rescued these two spies, helped them escape. As they're escaping, she says, please remember me and, and, and my family. Don't, don't kill us, you know, when you conquer this land. And they, they made that vow that they would remember. And I'm kind of ruining the story for you. You know, we're going to talk about the walls of Jericho in the weeks to come. So I'm totally ruining the plot, okay? The walls of Jericho come down, all right? They, they fall down. So Rahab and her family is rescued, and she ends up going back to Bethlehem with the nation of Israel. So the idea here is that she has been rescued. She has been redeemed. That's what Jesus does in our lives. He rescues us. He redeems us. And now her identity has changed. She's no longer Rahab the harlot or Rahab the prostitute. It's Rahab. Solomon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. Let's skip down to verses 15 and 16. Eliad was the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of uh, Mathan, and Mathan was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. What is a prostitute doing in the lineage of the Messiah? Like, most people skip Matthew chapter 1. I've skipped it a few times. Let's be honest. Come on, right? We're in church. My gosh. All right? I've skipped Matthew chapter 1 because it's, it's just like a genealogy. And it's like, you know, if you read it in the, you know, like a King James version, it's like, you know, Solomon be, you know, was the father of Boaz or it's begat Boaz. And it's all these begats. And it's like, whoa, this is confusing. So a lot of times people skip the genealogies. But Matthew chapter 1 is the lineage of of the Messiah, the lineage of Jesus Christ. And there's all kinds of things going on in this chapter. If you study each individual out, I mean, you have different ethnicities. Okay, You have people from, from different cultures and backgrounds. And it's actually such a beautiful picture. There's Gentiles in the, in the lineage. It's a beautiful picture that God is for all people. It's so cool. says that Rahab married Solomon. Once again, we're told in Joshua 6.25 that Rahab relocated back to Israel. And, you know, she not only believes in the Jews' God, but she re relocates with the Jewish people after she was rescued. And now she's hanging out in Israel. And some, sometime in her, um, you know, being in Israel, she runs into Solomon or Solomon runs into her. 
who in the world who in the world is Solomon? I mean, who is this guy that would marry a previous prostitute? So now we're going to jump back to First Chronicles chapter two, verse fifty-one. All right, this is the only verse that talks about Solomon, and it says, "Solomon, the father of Bethlehem." In other words, okay, the idea when, when it says the father of Bethlehem, it means that he was like the architect. He was the builder of Bethlehem, the city of Bethlehem where Jesus was born, right? Salmon was the architect. He was the builder of Bethlehem. He gave birth to the town. First of all, this tells me a couple things about Salmon. In order to build a city, that means that he's employed, right? <laughs> Someone has a job. Okay, that's a good thing. He has a job. He also has a name in the community. He's referred to as the father of Bethlehem. He's a civic leader. He has stability. He's making a great living in the place called Bethlehem. And he marries a previous prostitute. And the idea here, once again, is this theme of redemption. Like Rahab was not only rescued... But now she identifies with the people of God. And now her future has completely changed. She has married a man who is a good man and loves her and can provide for her. Man, he is, he's a man of good reputation. Remember, this is a woman with a checkered past. One who a lot of men would not marry. Yet a man who built the whole city, a well-known city, even to this day. Wanted to marry her. And not only did they get married, but they had a baby. And his name was Boaz. And Boaz is now grown up. And he's working in the field. And Boaz sees a woman named Ruth. And Ruth has told Naomi, her mother-in-law, that your God is going to be my God. And your people are going to be my people. And Boaz ends up becoming, uh, becoming Ruth's kinsman redeemer. And they get married and they give birth to Obed. And Obed gives birth to Jesse. And Jesse gives birth to David. And from the lineage of David comes Jesus Christ. So not only does Rahab make it into the New Testament, but if you track Jesus' legal history through the line of Joseph, Rahab is there. It's awesome. Jesus has a prostitute in his background. Jesus has a Gentile in his background. And obviously, Jesus is not ashamed because he wrote it in the book. Rahab's situation has completely turned around. It's been completely redeemed. That's what God does. That's the way he works. That's what he desires to do in your life. In other words, it's not too late. It's not too late. No matter how broken your past, it's not too late. If God can turn around Rahab's life, he can turn around your life. So how did Rahab's salvation happen? All the way back in Joshua chapter 2, the spies told her to hang red or scarlet material out of her window. 
and they told her to get all of your family, go get you know, all the family that you desire to come into your home. And <clears throat> when we see this red material hanging out of the window, we will identify your house and you will be saved from the wrath to come. So the walls of Jericho came down, but there was a section of wall that did not come down. Because she took some scarlet material and she hung it outside of her window. And when the nation of Israel came and conquered the city of Jericho, they said, conquer it all except for that place. And the idea here is, The only way to be saved is to be under the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the whole idea. That's what's being communicated in the book of Joshua. Man, to be under the covering of the blood of Jesus Christ. There's been a lot of confusion. Like, man, that makes no sense to me. That's kind of weird. But it's a spiritual metaphor. It's not like you're really pouring blood over you. But when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God indwells your life. Now Jesus lives in you. And so when God looks at Justin Ross, he doesn't see brokenness anymore. He sees the covering of Jesus Christ. When God the Father looks at Justin Ross, he sees Jesus. And I can be perfect in the eyes of God because of Jesus inside of me. Not because Justin is so cool. Not even close. But it's because Jesus lives within me. And it was the same with Rahab. The the only way that she and her family was protected from the destruction that was coming was because she put her faith in what she had heard. And she put the scarlet, she put the red out her window and they identified her. Hey, don't mess with her. That's one of us. That's one of us. Don't mess with her. Don't mess with her family. Protect them because she's one of us. The only way to be saved from the wrath to come is to identify with the right king and the right kingdom. Listen, you don't want to be in the wrong kingdom when God returns. And the only way to be saved is to be covered by the scarlet red blood of Jesus Christ. And that only happens through faith in Jesus Christ. Remember, faith without works is dead. So it's not just a, hey, I believe in Jesus, and now I go live like hell the rest of the week and the rest of my life. No. Faith is, I believe in Jesus, and now I'm going to do what Jesus instructs me to do. That's what faith is. It's, it's believing and it's doing. And when God sees you under the covering of Jesus, you will be redeemed. You will be rescued. You will be saved. Once again, no matter how bad your past, just remember, God took Rahab from harlot to hero. He can do the same with you. He can do the same with your life. So I want to encourage you to give your life to Jesus this morning. Give your life to Jesus today. Those of you watching online, those of you here in person, give your life to Jesus Christ. He will redeem, He will rescue, and your future will be better and changed and completely different because of that decision 
to give your life to Christ. If you want to make that decision today, if you're here in person, um, man, we would love to talk with you. We can talk with you in the prayer room. Um, you can talk to any of the pastors on staff. We would love to show you how you can be saved. You can talk to the person that you came with. If you're watching online and you want to make that decision to put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you could just put in the comment section, I want to know how to be saved. I want to know Jesus. We will reach out to you. We will connect with you. And we will show you how you can be saved. Give your life to Jesus today. I'm going to close in prayer. Father, thank you for this incredible story of Rahab. And I'm so grateful that no matter my brokenness, Lord, you're not going to hold it against me. You're not going to say, man, remember in the past when you did this or that? And when I come to you for forgiveness, you, you wipe my past clean. You, you throw my sin, the scripture says, as far as the east is from the west. I mean, it's just, you, you cast them never to be found again. You don't hold our sin, our brokenness against us. Lord, I'm so thankful and grateful for that kind of forgiveness. And I pray that many watching online, those that are in person, I pray that today someone would take the step of faith and say, I want to follow Jesus with my life. I want to be rescued just like Rahab was rescued. And that they would choose to identify with God and his people just like Rahab did. Thank you for these truths and the encouragement that they bring. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.